God designed all of us for relationships, where people are investing in the lives of others. Discipleship works best within life-on-life -life engagement. Modeling what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, follow me as I follow Christ. When people struggle with an identity crisis, it negatively impacts every area of their life. And it's not just teenagers who struggle with this. Many adults have struggled with an identity crisis for decades. So just so we understand what it is, this is the definition of identity crisis. It's this, it's a period of uncertainty and confusion in which a person's sense of identity becomes insecure. It's this, this whole season of insecurity and uncertainty and confusion. So let me ask you this question. Who are you? I, I, I don't care what you do. I don't care that, what, what your job is. This is not even one of the titles that you have. I'm a student or I'm an athlete or I'm a parent or I'm a spouse you know, I, I'm an E1, I'm a chief, I'm a business owner. No, that's, that's what you do. Who are you? See, the greatest influence that we can have in our lives to answer this question are those who come beside us and are positive and they're healthy and they're loving and they're caring, but they're also honest with us to let us know who we are. Whether that's, whether that's a parent or a grandparent or a coach or a mentor or God himself, that is all of that. Someone who is insecure is when they believe and they uh, follow and adhere to truth that has been twisted. They've bought a lie. And, and that, that could be uh, being around critical people and just all their critical comments and you'll never succeed and you never do this. You always, it's all critical. It, it could be looking on, on social media and the, and the standards of like, okay, you gotta look like this and you gotta accomplish all those things and inside you go, man, I'm, I will never be this. So you feel like you're a failure. But also behind the scenes is the one stirring up an identity crisis is Satan himself, the father of lies, trying to convince us to believe a lie. The opposite of someone who is secure is someone who is confident. They have this assurance of who they are. And this will take you through all the highs and all the lows of life. We are continuing in our series this summer called Disciples Making Disciples, where we are followers, if you're a follower of Jesus, we're commanded to make other followers of Jesus. And all this uh, in, May, in June and July and, and now in August, what we've been talking about is there's certain things you need to know and, and then believe and then own it and then share it. So what we're gonna talk about today is identity and assurance of who we are. We have to know it, believe it, own it, and then share it 
with other people. Followers making followers. Follow me as I follow Christ. So far, what we've taught in this series is to, to live a spirit-filled Christian life. That's the foundation that at salvation, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now we also have access to the power of the Holy Spirit if we would just ask, if we would just surrender. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, guide me. Help me, warn me, and he will. Then a couple of weeks ago, we talked about sharing your faith story, and you need the filling of the Holy Spirit when the God opens a door of opportunity to share what God has done in your life. Before Christ, I was this. After Christ, now I am, I am this. And God has changed me. Last week, we talked about taking the next step of sharing God's story of redemption. To share the truth, the gospel, with someone that God has put in your life. Again, the greatest power that we could ever have to help us in this area of what this is by God's word. So if you're taking notes, here's the central point today. It's this. Every disciple's identity and assurance are not dependent upon their own righteousness. Every disciple needs to know this, that their identity and their assurance of who they are are not dependent upon your own righteousness, your own righteousness. You see, out salvation, we receive a new identity in Christ, a new identity in Christ. And as a result of that identity, we have the assurance of who we are for the rest of our lives. And that triggers at salvation. If you ever copy God's word, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to have some verses on the TV so I can teach through um, some verses. But I want you, if you have a, a hard copy of God's Word, this would be some great verses to underline, highlight. If you have a Bible app, highlight some of these verses. Now, one of the most exciting things that I believe takes place when, I, when people become a Christ follower is that, one, we are completely forgiven of all of our sins. Past sins, present sins, sins future sins. Amen. It's like, yes, we are forgiven. We are set free as soon as we trust in Christ. And the second thing is so exciting is that just as Jesus promised, we have the Holy Spirit to live with us, to help us, to lead us, to guide us through this life. Now, if you're there, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Don't jump over and mess up my microphone. Uh, turn, look at verse 21, verse 21 and 22. This is fantastic. He's, Paul says, now it is God who makes us both, both us and, and you stand firm in Christ. God does that. He makes us stand firm in our relationship in Christ. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. All this takes place at salvation. When we go from spiritual darkness to, to, to the light, when we trust in Jesus as our Savior, it is God who makes us stand firm. We have assurance. We have stability. We can have confidence in Christ, and God helps us with that. And he gives some examples. He anointed us. He set his seal of ownership it, honest, like you are my child, you are my son, you are my daughter. 
And then he gives us his spirit as a kind of a down deposit of what is to come. Now, right here, these two verses, this is what I call uh, our birth certificate verses. Our birth certificate verse, uh, verses. So when a child is born, a birth certificate is filled out. All sorts of important information. And it is then sealed with whatever state that child is born in. And then it is filed and legally that child forevermore is a child to that parent or both parents. This is, this, spiritually, this is our birth certificate passage. Is that salvation, we are sealed into God's family. Other passages say that when we trust in Christ, our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And in the Lamb's book of life, there is no backspace delete. There is no invisible ink. There is no eraser that, that, that takes our name out. We are sealed into God's family. And he places his ownership on us. And it is God that we have strong and firm assurance that we are his child. Now, just so that we're on the same page, let me give you, for your notes, some, some exam, or definitions of two words. Now, a sinner is someone who is sinful. Did I lose anybody yet? Okay. Uh, they, they fail at keeping the standard. Sin means fall short of, of, the, of the standard, of the goal, of the mark. And we fail with that, and we're imperfect and unrighteous. That, that is... What sinners are. A saint, on the other hand, is sinless, holy, perfect, and righteous. Now, who do you think you are? Where do you fit? And where do you see yourself on this scale? Like saints, one, are you a, are you a saint? Sinner, some of you are like, uh, Barry, I'm like a 15. I'm not even on the on the scale, I'm way off. Some of you are like, oh, about a five and a half, depending if I had coffee in the morning. Okay, and if I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm moving this direction. That's how you see yourself. So I wonder where you would mark that. And what I'm going to talk, talk today and, and teach today, is unpack today, is a radical new way of seeing you for who you really are for who you really are, and that it's not based on your righteousness. Amen. Not based, because we're all in trouble if it's based upon us. Okay, now turn over in, in 2 Corinthians to chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 17. Another good highlight, underline verse. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ meaning they're in a relationship with Christ. He is your Savior. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Now, you still have the same body. You're like, uh, I wish God would make that a new creation. He says, I'll take care of that in heaven. New body. No fat. No, no, no diets. No doctors. Sorry, doctors. Um, but that, that'll, that, that'll come. But you still have the same personality, but with Christ, 
and the Holy Spirit living inside of you, if you yield to the Holy Spirit and learn and grow and, and listen to him, you'll start seeing from the inside out a transformation. But at salvation, we are a new creation. Now, this next verse is absolutely mind-blowing. Look at verse 21. This is another underlined highlight uh, verse in your Bible. It says this, God made him who knew no sin. That's Jesus. God made Jesus who knew no sin. Read this with me. To be sin for us. Just stop it right there. What? Perfect, divine, powerful creator, God, Jesus, who knew no sin, sinless, on the cross, took our sin for us. He became sin for us. If you, read, if you know the story of the crucifixion, the, the sky turned dark and Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? God turned his back on his son. Why? Because he's carrying your sin and mine. He became sin for us so that he did that. So that in him, in a relationship with him, we might become, read it with me, the righteousness of God. Jesus is the righteousness of God. We are sinners. This is a powerful verse because an exchange happens spiritually. That we had a debt, a sin debt. We could not pay. And Jesus took a debt he did not owe. And paid it for us. And he became sin for us. And when we place our faith in him, we receive the righteousness of God. That, that's an absolute astounding exchange that takes place. And when Jesus, as he took really his last breath and said, it is finished. That's the English version. The real language that Jesus cried out with literally means paid in full. He took the sin that you've done, I've done. He bore it and canceled it. And relationally speaking, we receive the righteousness of God so that, this, this is mind-blowing, that when God the Father sees you as a believer, sees me as a believer, he no longer sees our sin. He sees the righteousness of God. This is a supernatural exchange that, that's, that's, that's taken place. That, that is absolutely powerful from salvation on when God sees you he sees the righteousness of God now this is hard for our human brains to grasp because you're like okay when the baby is born and we're like he's perfect 
She's perfect until they blow out their diapers and wallpaper starts falling off the house. And you're like, oh, oh my goodness, your child needs attention. Like you like, you know, you know, relinquish all ownership. Now that baby is still, still has issues, right? And they, they got to mature and then they're going to fall on their face and they're going to cry and they're selfish and they, you know, get it from us parents. And, but positionally, that's my child. That will always be my child because they were born into my family. Born into my family. You are a new creation. That's salvation. You are a new creation with a new identity. The source of who we are is not about us, of what we do or we don't do. Our new identity is found in Christ, found in Christ. So the question is, who are you? That's our identity. That's your identity. Who are you? Now, there's a lot of verses I can show you. I'm just going to show you a handful of what Scripture says you are if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're on the outside looking in and we're praying that you would, by faith, trust in Jesus. And as soon as you place your faith in Jesus, what he did on the cross, that he rose from the, uh, rose from the dead, he was indeed God, then you're gonna have a new identity. And, and, and all these verses will apply to you if by faith you trust in Jesus. But if you're a follower of Jesus and you have trusted in Christ, whether you were a child or middle school or high school or older or recently, this is who you are based upon the truth of God's word. In John chapter one, it says this, yet to all who did receive him, receive Jesus, and to those who believed in his name, he gave you the right to become children of God. You are a child of God. That is your identity. You're a child of God. Yeah, but I, I, I mess up all the time. Yeah, you do. So do I. But you're a child of God. That's your identity. It's an identity that, that you didn't earn. <laughs> you, you didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. It's called grace. God gave you the right to be a child of God. To be a child of God. That's who you are. In Galatians chapter two, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Again, a picture of what took place on the cross that I was crucified. My sins were crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And that's the, that's the way we should live. Like we're no longer living for ourselves but Christ lives in me and the spirit of Christ lives in me. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who are you? A child of God who is loved by God. Yeah, yeah, but I mess up. Stop it. You're a child of God who is loved by God. Now, this next verse is kind of like a 
gathering of followers, all right? A gathering of followers. There's, there's followers of God and non-followers of God. Those who have been set free from their sin and those who are still in bondage to their sin and they just need to trust in, by faith in Jesus Christ and receive the gifts of salvation. Then you go from bondage to freedom. So it's, let's talk about this group as a whole, how God sees this group. First Peter says, but you are a chosen people. I love Ephesians chapter one. If any of you are, are out here that are adopted and you understand what this means that you were chosen. In Ephesians one, God says, I, I chose you and I adopted you. God was pursuing you until you said yes to Jesus. You're chosen, you're, you're royal priesthood, you're royalty. Why? Because you're a child of God. The priesthood means you represent Jesus. A holy nation means set apart, set apart from unbelievers. A holy nation, I love this, and God's special possession. See, some of you have been struggling with an identity crisis for years, even decades. It's because you're comparing yourselves to other people. I'm not measuring up. You know, she was more prettier than me, and, and he was more this than me, and, and so we were, this is them, this is me. And you've been struggling your entire life with who you are, your identity crisis, but your identity cannot be found in someone else other than in Christ. And if you grasp that, you're going to start living in freedom and living with a lot more joy in your life. You are God's special possession. So I'm going to take the same scale and ask a different question. Where does God see you? Where does God see you? Anybody like the National Treasure kind of movies? Uh, the number one movie when they're looking on the back of the, you know, Declaration of Independence or whatever it was and it was, you couldn't see anything with the naked eye. But there's these special glasses but if you put them on, you kind of see some things, but it was confusing. But, but when they started adjusting the lenses, now the picture came into full, accurate, clear view. God sees you clearly if you are his child. So where does God put, put you? Right here. This is how God views you. Why? Because you trusted in Jesus. And when he sees you, he sees the righteousness of God because of Jesus. You're a saint. Now, if you struggle with this and you go, no, 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 you just don't understand. You know, I, I keep messing up. I keep falling. I, and I got to put it somewhere else. If you put your number anywhere else than number one, you and your identity is all wrapped up in your performance, in your righteousness. And that's not your identity. It's not in you. It's in Christ. And when you start to see yourself as God sees you, and it doesn't mean that it's a get out of, you know, you know, jail free card. You can just do whatever you want to do and just do all bunch of crazy things. No, no, not at all. Paul says, God forbid. But once you start seeing yourself the way God sees you as his child, who he loves, who he's chosen, who you, you are his special possession. 
you're going to begin living in freedom. And the more you rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, your behavior is going to start aligning to who God sees you as. Some of you know that I'm a San Francisco 49er fan. And there's a new quarterback named Brock Purdy. He was the last pick in the draft two drafts ago. And the last pick of the draft gets an identity, Mr. Irrelevant. Isn't that awesome? And they give him a jersey, extra wide jersey, number 262. Why? Because that was the last pick in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant. They get a couple things. They get a free trip to Disneyland. And they, they get what is called the low man's award, not the highs man award. They get a low man's award. I mean, talking about building somebody up. They're like, you're nothing. You're irrelevant. Brock Purdy was drafted by the Niners. And somehow he, he made the team. He was number three quarterback, second game of the season. <clears throat> Your Seahawks took out our number one quarterback, still praying that God will help me forgive you. And so then Brock Purdy became the number two quarterback. Then about five games later, against the big nationally televised games, our number one, our new number one quarterback, Jimmy Grappolo, gets hurt early in the game. And here comes into play Mr. Irrelevant. No quarterback, only a few have been drafted as Mr. Irrelevant, no quarterback before Brock ever took one snap in a football game. Now he's coming in behind in the game, leads him back to victory, and the next eight games he wins. Takes him all the way to the game before the Super Bowl, and six plays in, he gets hit. His uh, ligament and his elbow snapped, and he could no longer throw the ball, and we couldn't throw the ball. We lose. So he goes into rehab, comes back, and at his very first interview, all these reporters say, hey, Brock, how do you feel about yourself today? Because you were drafted and you were Mr. Irrelevant. Now you're the starting quarterback for, for the 49ers. How, how do you view yourself? And he said, I'm going to tell you what I told you months ago when no one really knew who he was. Here's his answer to that question. Yeah, for me, it's um, like I said, However many months ago that was, compared to now, it's been the same. You know, I know who I am in God and in Christ, and, um, you know, I'm not going to let any other kind of circumstance, if I'm the starting quarterback or the backup or whatever, I'm not going to let that determine, you know, who I am as a person. And so, um, like, that's what my identity is in, and there's nothing, you know, that can come my way to um, get me to act a certain way and think, I deserve this, I deserve that. I am who I am, who God has called me to be, and I let everything else fall in place, so. He said that several times. My identity is found in Christ. That will take you through the highs and lows of life. Every disciple's identity and assurance is not determined, is not determined by our own righteousness. In Southern California, I had a mentor named Wally. He was 80 years old when I, so I came up to him and said, I, I, need, I need you to pour into me. I'm pouring everywhere else. I need someone to pour into me. And he told me his story. As I was a young pastor of Minnesota, I was in his 20s, 
He's trying so hard to be a good pastor, trying to do this, do this, trying to please people. And he goes, I just, I kept failing, kept failing. I could never live up to expectations. And he struggled so much and he started physically going down. So much so, he finds himself in the hospital. And he goes, I think I'm dying. He even starts saying goodbye to his family. A week later, the doctors come in and say, Walla, we've done every test possible. And there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing physically wrong with you. Walla goes on to tell that he was struggling with his identity because he was trying to find his identity through the eyes of other people and pleasing people. And if I just try harder, try harder, God came alongside of him. And Walla began to repeat a phrase to himself over and over because he didn't believe it at first. So he said it over and over thousands, tens of thousands of times until he finally believed it of who he was. And it completely transformed his life. He became a a huge leader in the Evangelical Free Association in Southern California. I I called him the Obi-Wan in California of, of EV Free. And here's what he told himself. It's true. He said, I don't have to prove myself. I'm a child of the king. And he loves me. I don't have to prove myself. I'm a child of the king. And he loves me. Some of you need to hear that. Jeff, you don't have to prove yourself. You're a child of the king. And he loves you. Debbie, you don't have to prove yourself. You're a child of the king, and he loves you. Carl, you don't have to prove yourself. You're a child of the king, and he loves you. Michelle, I can barely see you. You're a child of the king. You don't have to prove yourself. You're a child of the king, and he loves you. That's our identity. So who are you? That's your identity. But more importantly, it's Whose are you? And that gives us assurance. It's not based upon us. It's based upon Christ. Now, I just have a little bit of time. This is a whole message in and of itself, but I want to wrap these two together because you have assurance of your salvation when you place it in Jesus Christ. Some churches teach that there is no assurance and you can lose your salvation. And and people live in fear and and trepidation and uh, uh, insecurity and to, to, to teach that you know, there's no assurance of salvation, I mean, just undermines so many scriptures and so many, really, theology about who God is and what God said about you when you trusted in Christ. And God's the only one that knows if you genuinely trusted in Christ. But here's several verses that we have assurance that we are a child of the King and that he loves us. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, talking about sheep. He said, my sheep, there's ownership there. Talking about his followers, my sheep. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So if you're saved, you're in the hand of Jesus and in the hand of the Father and no one can snatch you out of their hands and you can't, whoop, slip out. You're a child of the king. Paul says this in Romans, for I am convinced that neither death 
nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height when things are good or depth when things are bad, nor, and he covers all of his bases, nor anything else in all creation. And if you're alive, you are created. That includes you. Nothing is able to separate us from the love of God that is found in a relationship with Christ Jesus, our Lord. Identity, assurance. I pulled out of my safe in my office at home one of my daughter's birth certificate. The state of Washington Department of Health Certificate of Live Birth. Given names, Holly Megan. Last name, Bandera. And gives all kinds of information. It's important. Date of birth, December 7th, 1996. Facility, the Harrison Hospital. Where? Bremerton, Kitsap County, Washington. Time of birth, 2.25 p.m. Sex, female. Again, more information. Mother's maiden name, Candace Marie Scholes. Where was she born? Washington. When? Tells her her date. Father's name, my name, birth, California, my birth date. And on the bottom, there is a seal of the state of Washington. My daughter, Holly, is my child. No matter what she does or doesn't do, even if she drops my last name and marries somebody else <laughs> and moves away. Why is she my, my daughter? Because she was born into my family. And it was sealed. And it was logged legally. She will always be my daughter, just like the other two. The day you were saved... God sealed you into his family. Ownership, that's my child. You're my son. You're my daughter. I love you. Yeah, but dad, I, I'm holy God. I, I mess up. I still love you. I will always love you. Who are you? You're a child of God. How long? Forever. And it's not determined on what you do or don't do. It's determined by your faith in Christ. Every disciple's identity and assurance is not found in our righteousness. It's found in Christ. Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? God, I thank you for the opportunity to teach this. Really break it down of who we are and whose we are. Lord, I pray that those who have been struggling with an identity crisis and they're trying to find fulfillment of who they are and what they do and how they perform and all, all that that will never satisfy, I pray that they would begin to not only think on truth from your word, but then believe it, that they are a child of God and you love them. They don't have to prove their worth they're in your family. May they know this. May they own this. And may they share their identity.
and assurance in Christ to another person following them. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, we say, amen. Amen.